At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and stood him in their midst. And he said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it is better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than having two hands or feet to be cast into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Dear Father, Lord, I pray you'll direct our minds and our hearts that we might truly hear you speak and rejoice in it. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm beginning to believe that it's possible to, to have faith and not to have faith both at the same time. We sort of see this kind of thing in the Bible, and I think it's Mark chapter 7 where Starts out with the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember Jesus and James and John and Peter going up to that hillside. And there Jesus was transformed and met with Elijah and Moses. But when they came back down off the hillside and they met with the other 11 or the other nine uh, apostles that would have been on the bottom of the hill there, there was a big crowd and all sorts of people had come to see Jesus while he was gone up on the hillside. And one of the men that had, had uh, come to see Jesus had a son who had some sort of epileptic seizures. And they had asked Jesus' disciples who were left if they wouldn't take care of this problem. And they had tried to in some way, but were unable to. And so when Jesus returned, the man hurries up to him and tells the situation and says, Jesus, if you can do something, please help my son. Now, Jesus, of course, says, what do you mean if I can then he says, oh, ye of little belief. And the man makes that classic statement. He says, he says, well, I believe. Help my unbelief. Both had belief and unbelief at the same time. Well, I think I suffered from some of that recently. Some of that belief and unbelief. Last August, I sat down and, and for several days worked on what sermons I would be preaching over the course of the next six or eight months from there. And I planned out the whole uh, Christmas series that I just completed on uh, Christmas Eve. And, and then I came to this last Sunday in December. Now, starting next week is a new series. And what am I going to do the last Sunday in December? I looked at my calendar and there it said the 26th was when uh, a baby was due. I said, okay, I know just the title for my sermon. On the last Sunday in December, the title of my sermon is going to be Daddy's Little Girl. <laughs> And so there on my notes that I wrote in August is the title of this sermon, Daddy's Little Girl. Now, Friday morning this week came, and we had to print a sermon title in the bulletin. And uh, my unbelief took over my belief. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, let's put down what every baby ought to know. 
And fully expecting by this point to be able to tell you what the real title was supposed to be. However, we're still at the second title, what every baby ought to know. And so we're going to leave it there at that point. One of the exciting things, looking forward to another child in my family, is to look forward to the things that I will be able to teach this little one. I think we all look forward as parents or grandparents or neighbors or uncles or aunts to some of the things we can teach a little child. Little children, of course, are the most helpless of all creatures that God created. They're able to do hardly anything for themselves. Everything has to be learned. And some of the joys, I suppose, are looking forward to what we're going to teach them. To be the one that holds them by their hands and leads them toddling across the floor till they finally walk on their own. Or to be the one that hears that first word as you try to get them to say the most lovable of all words, dad. <laughs> Or perhaps maybe it's your job to teach them how to uh, set blocks one upon another. The only thing a child knows instinctively that I've ever found out is how to knock down blocks. You never teach a child that. Destruction is built into children, part of the sin nature, I'm sure. But you have to teach them to stack those blocks one upon another. And so we look forward to all of those exciting things to teach children. But this morning I want to talk about the more important things that we need to teach children. That is, there's something more important than teaching them to walk or to talk or to play with the toys. You might not be there, but that's not the most cru crucial time. There are some ideas, some principles of life. We might call it a philosophy of life, but that sounds much too big for a little child. But a lifestyle and a way of living that we have to teach to our children. And those are the important things. And just as the people of Israel had the Ten Commandments to follow for their own lifestyle, I think that there are some certain, some, some principles that we should have that every child has a right to learn from a Christian family. And I want to go through those principles with you. They're not in any particular order of priority, but they're every one important. The first is this, I think every child ought to know that God is real and alive and personal. Now I say that because children, as you begin to raise them, start out with a whole uh, world of unreal things. And I think that's good. It's good for imagination and creativity to have the imaginary friends. But they need to realize and to separate God from that imaginary world. God is not a part of that imaginary world. God is real and God is alive, and God is personal. Now, all three of those need to come together. You know, the teddy bear is personal. If you don't think so, just listen to a little one talk to that teddy bear. And that teddy bear is personal. Not alive, not real, but personal. On the other hand, there are a lot of alive and real things, such as tall, growing green trees, that aren't personal at all. And children need to learn that God is real, alive, and personal, and they need to be taught not only by word, but by your life as well. A second thing that every ch child should know is that daddy loves them. Now, if you're a mommy, that means mommy loves them. But for me, it means that my child has to know and to learn that daddy loves them. They're not going to be born with that knowledge. They're not going to assume that. They're going to have to experience it. They're going to have to experience it when they're one week, when they're one month, when they're one year, when they're 10 years, when they're 20 years, when they're 30 years, when they're 50 years, that daddy loves them. And that love doesn't ever give up. And there's absolutely nothing in their life they're going to do that's going to destroy that love. Because that love is based on my giving, not on their deserving. And therefore, they need to learn by loving actions and loving words. Daddy loves them. 
And then when they learn that, it will be very easy for them to learn that your heavenly Father loves you even more. A third thing that every baby ought to know is that in the world, there is tribulation. In the world, there is tribulation. I say that because as Christian parents, sometimes we like to isolate our children. That is, we want to protect them. And we should as much as we can so that they'll have that proper uh, base to, to start life on, but we can't protect them forever. They have to learn sometime the world is harsh and the world is cruel. They have to learn sometime that most of the world lives outside a relationship with God, and that means that they're alone and that they're frightened and that they're insensitive and that they're insecure and that some are insane. And they're going to have to learn that's the way the world is. And if we try to protect them too long, never let them fail, never let them struggle, never let them have trials until they're at a mature age, suddenly they're thrown out into a world of tribulation and they don't know how to respond. In the world, there is tribulation. And as Christians, growing up in a Christian family, there is even more tribulation. For darkness is always opposed to light. And we're told from the Bible that there's going to be tribulation. Now you have to teach that. But in the same breath that you teach in the world this tribulation, you teach another thing. You teach Jesus has overcome the world. In the world, there's tribulation, and we're not going to take the tribulation away. They're going to have to go right through whatever happens in this world and whatever crazy ideas come through this world. But in Jesus, there is victory. Not just victory for him, because he was triumphant on the cross and, and triumphant over the tomb, but because he was triumphant for us, there's victory for us, that he will never leave us. That any place we are, any jam we're in, no matter how much trouble there is, he's there. He's willing to help. He can help. He has the power to help. And those little ones need to learn as soon as they're able to understand in the world is tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. Another thing that every baby ought to know and begin to learn is that the Bible is completely reliable. As they grow up, they come to a point where they're able to understand a book and a lot of books, and they begin to read all of those nice storybooks, and you begin to read them to them. And as soon as they're able to understand, they need to be told that this book is different than every other book. This is not just a book. This is a different book. In this book is the truth of God, completely without error, completely never leading you astray. It is a book that you can, you can measure all truth that you're going to learn your whole life with to see whether it's really true or not. They need to learn that not only because you tell them, but because you act upon the word in that way. Because your life reflects the fact that you believe it completely to be true. Every baby, every little one ought to learn that the Bible is completely reliable. Another thing that every little one ought to learn is that obedience to God is the secret to fulfilled life. Obedience to God is the secret to fulfilled life. Now, I say they ought to learn obedience, but not just obedience. The little ones need to learn to obey, not just because you're bigger or tougher or meaner, but because obedience not only produces joy in the one who wants them to obey and ultimately joy in God because they're obeying him, but because in obedience they find their own satisfaction and fulfillment. It's a lesson we've all learned the hard way, and perhaps we can teach them to learn it young. And that is when you obey God's way, you find the satisfaction you've looked for all along. That's why he, he gave us his word. It's because he wanted us to have 
satisfying, fulfilling, complete, joyful lives. And he said, here's a way to have it. Obedience means only, not only that we're pleasing him, but that we satisfy our own desire in life. Another thing I think every little one ought to learn is that life is exciting and adventuresome. I'm convinced you have to try to make life boring. And some people are extremely good at it. But you have to try to make life boring. God is a God of unexpected things. He is a C.S. Lewis in an Arnie attendance says a wild lion. That is, you never can know for sure what he's going to do because he's always doing the unexpected, bringing blessing, bringing people into your life. There is more excitement. There are more exciting stories right here in this room through the lives of these people than any library in this town could hold if you'd only talk to them and get to know it. But you know what? You have to try to avoid people this morning. You'll have to get up and hurry out of church or you'll hear something exciting you haven't heard before because somebody will grab you and begin to tell you about it. You see, you have to try to make life boring. And life is exciting. And I want my little one to know that life is an adventure. You never know what's going to happen, but you know who's already there in the future planning it for you. And that's God, so you cannot be afraid, but look forward to the adventure of life. Another thing that I want the little one to learn is that the family unit is a God-given means of human contentment. That is, the family unit, father and mother and brothers and sisters and, and grandma and grandpa, is a God-given unit. It wasn't by accident. People decided, well, let's... Uh, uh, I don't like being alone. Let's make a little group here and we'll call it a family. It's because God designed it that way. And it's no accident that you have the children that you do nor the parents that you have. God has designed that family unit and brought it together because in that unit, he has a lot of lessons to teach you. And in that unit, you have a lot of things to give and to receive. In that family unit, you're going to learn how to love other people better than you could learn any other way. So God's put you there. You're going to learn how to give and how to receive forgiveness. A kind of thing that you can't learn anyplace else but in that family unit. And that family unit is so important because it's God's given, it's God given that we should do everything we can to make it strong. And we should make, do everything we can to make it a loving environment for each person in the family. And so every child ought to know that that family that they're born into was because of God's design and purpose and plan. And it's for them. Another thing I think the little one needs to learn is that fierce honesty produces strong personal relationships. Fierce honesty, being completely honest all the time. Now that goes along with obedience that I mentioned a while back. Sometimes we teach children to obey because if you don't obey, you're going to get a whipping. That's why. Sometimes we teach children, you're going to be honest because if you're dishonest, you're going to get a whipping. That's why. Now let's start teaching children to be honest because that's not only pleasing to us and to God, but it's going to produce the result they wanted all along. When somebody cheats, when somebody's dishonest, it's because they have a goal in mind. They want to achieve something. I want to be the best person in class in this test, but I can't be the best without cheating. And so I got to cheat on the test and now I'm the best. But why did you want to be best? Because you wanted the satisfaction of knowing that you had all that information. And what does cheating do? Oh, it makes you look like the best, but when you get there, you know inside, I don't have all that information. 
And so the very goal that you strive for, you did not achieve. And I want a little one to know from the very beginning that fierce honesty is the only way to build personal strong relationships and produce the kind of result that they wanted all along in the first place. To teach children to be good, as good as their word. Another thing that I think little ones need to learn is that life is just a prep school for eternity with God. From the very beginning of comprehension, whenever they're able to begin to learn, maybe it's at, at a time of death uh, for a, a pet or death of a grandparent, but as soon as they're able to learn that life here is short and term, they need to realize that's made that way on purpose. God had that plan in mind. Yes, there's something in us that says we ought to live forever because we are supposed to live forever. But life here is just a training ground. God just given us a few years to get ready for heaven. So he stuck us in a family, said, see if you can learn how to love each other. See if you can learn how to forgive. See if you can follow me and know me. If you can, then you're ready for heaven. And that's all life is. And every little one ought to know that. Another thing that I think they should know is that they are important because God made them that way. Our little kids have been saying that for years, haven't they? I'm something special, and it's true. And they need to learn from the time they're able to comprehend that they're special, that they're important because God made them, and that God doesn't make any junk. They were made right. If they're tall, it's because God made them tall. If they're short, it's because God made them short. If they have a big nose, it's because God gave them a big nose, and there's no mistakes. God didn't get through with somebody and say, oh, boy, I really messed up on that one. <laughs> he makes no mistakes. They're special because God made them that way. And the talents that they have, each one, and the brains that they have have been given there by God. And the only way they can abuse that, the only way they can have low self-worth is to not use what God's given. And so they need to learn that they're important because God made them that way. And finally, the last thing that I think every little one ought to learn is that you just can't pray too much. You can't pray too much. I have never met anybody that prayed too much, neither young nor old or any. Now, I, I've met some people that prayed at the wrong time. That is, there's a time for prayer and there's a time to get busy. And some people have the ability never to get busy and just wait till it's time to get busy and then to pray. And I think they're missing something. But I'm saying most people, everybody I know, doesn't pray too much. And little ones need to know that God cares about everything. And there's not one concern in your mind that God's not concerned about. And at any time you want to go to Him in prayer, you ought to go to Him in prayer. And you can't pray too much. And you need to continually pray and ask His guidance. Now, I've given you 12 things that I think every little one ought to know. You see, I am wise enough to know, as you do, that you cannot make your children Christians. If we could, we would have all done it by now. And certainly I would lead the pack if I could make my children be Christians. But I can't. That's the work of the Holy Spirit and God in their life. And they have to come to that place of confessing Him on their own. But I can prepare the environment. I can work up that fallow ground. I can get the soil ready for good, for good seed to be planted. And I need to do that. You can teach them a lot of things. You have to say it in words, and you have to show it in your life. You have to teach them God is real and alive and personal, and that you love Him, and that in the world there's tribulation, but Jesus has overcome the world. You've got to teach them about the reliability of the Bible and how to obey God, and 
to enjoy the excitement of living. You've got to teach them about family and about honesty and about the terminal length of life on earth. You've got to teach them about the importance of themselves as God's creation and teach them about prayer. And when all of that is done, then you can relax. And know that you've done your part and you can trust God for His. Amen and amen. Dear Father, Lord, you have blessed us immeasurably by the families that you've given us, the love we've received from father and mother and grandparents, and others in our family, the love that we've been able to give. We are reminded at Christmas time how important it is to give love and to receive it. We're thankful, Lord, and Help us to renew our commitment to raise up not only our children, but each child in this, in this congregation in, in godly principles, learning these things, waiting for the blessed day when your Holy Spirit leads them to yourself, when we will give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.